0: the day on Ag News Daily.
1: It all kind of started doing our weekly shows that come out every Monday and and purely based on enjoyment as a host. Every other week we really dive into something that helps a farmer potentially
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Wednesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. i Howell joined today by Ashton Carr. And Ashton, I'm very excited for today's interview because we're going to be talking to a fellow podcaster coming up on the podcast. I know you mentioned this during our interview, but they do kind of a fun podcast or a mix of fun and serious. And uh, they like to crack a cold one on their podcast, but I don't know if that would be appropriate for ours.
2: Hey, I mean, between you and I, we can crack a cold one. We don't have to tell the audience. It can just be our little secret.
0: Okay, that's true. That's that's a good one. I like that idea.
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan of it as well. But I mean, folks will see here in a minute. I did mention I just work from home, so I think it would be a little bit easier for me, maybe a little bit more appropriate for me to crack a cold one when we were. That's
0: that's probably true. If I have a drink in the middle of the day, Ash, and then I just have to take a nap, that's a sign I'm getting old.
2: Well, I'm a college kid, so I think it's appropriate for me to start drinking in the early afternoon. (laughs)
0: Yeah, even happy hour. Sometimes I tell you what, I just can't do it anymore. Ashton.
2: I honestly kind of feel the same way. Now that I'm in grad school, I feel like an old lady and then I shouldn't be going out to the bars and, you know, day drinking. It makes me feel old. And honestly, I don't mind it because I also like to enjoy a good nap after I've been day drinking. Me too. Well, Delaney, apart from taking naps, we've got a couple of different things to talk about today. A little bit slower of a news day like we kind of talked about before we started recording here. I'll go ahead and kind of kick things off. Just following up with a story about the litigation going on between the big four. JBS, Tyson, Cargill, and National Beef Packing Company must face antitrust litigation over an alleged industry-wide scheme to widen the meat margin between the cost of live cattle and the price of processed beef. And that was ruled yesterday by a federal judge in Minneapolis. The judge denied the defendant's motion to dismiss the class action antitrust filed back in April of 2019 by RCAF USA. The case may move forward in the U.S. District Court for the District of Minnesota, where the four meatpackers are accused of forcing the cost of cattle down and the price of beef up through cartel tactics like coordinated procurement and slaughter restraint. The lawsuit alleges that D4 Packers violated the Sherman Antitrust Act of 1890 by engaging in a price-fixing conspiracy and alleges the Packers violated the Packers and Stockyards Act as well as the Commodity Exchange Act. So, of course, this has been going on for some time since RCAF just filed this back in 2019, but we are seeing this move forward to the U.S. District Court for, of course, the District of Minnesota, like I said. So, a little bit of movement there from yesterday.
0: All right. Well, we've also got some movement, Ashton, on the stepped up basis package that House Democrats have dropped today, which would include a bunch of different tax hikes on corporations and on, quote unquote, the wealthy in their reconciliation spending bill. And of course, as we know, this could impact family farms pretty greatly. However, I'm starting to see some back and forth, that perhaps they would try and exclude farmers from this. Congresswoman Angie Craig of Minnesota applauded the exclusion of any stepped up basis changes that would negatively impact farmers. So it doesn't sound like right now, at least, that is included in this portion. However, it's about 18 pages long, so I'm personally not probably going to read it. Um, I'm sure we'll see some other news stories coming out about it in the future, but um, basically they're trying to go about fixing it. So it doesn't impact family farms. However, I think it's going to be maybe a bit of a tall order to fill on that front.
2: Well, Delaney, the next story that I have is concerning another company that is pledging towards carbon neutrality. Poet, which is, of course, the largest biofuels producer here in the United States, said earlier today that it is committed to achieving net zero carbon emissions at its bioprocessing facilities by 2050, making it the latest company to pledge to reduce its carbon footprint to fight climate change. The Sioux Falls-based company also said that it would ensure its ethanol reduces greenhouse gas emissions by at least 70%, Compared to gasoline by 2030 uh, from about 46% today, refiners and biofuels producers are grappling with producing fuel in the U.S. that will be less harmful for the environment. And 2030 and 2050, they seem a little bit far away, of course, but I kind of question how they're going to do so. And the company has several ways that it said that it's going to reach these goals in this timeline, including carbon sequestration and the use of biomass and methane digestion to help power plant operations. And I just think this, of course, another company that's coming to do this, just kind of hitting along with this trend of trying to be carbon neutral. So, and and everyone keeps saying 2050, Delaney. I don't know why that is so important
0: yeah that's just kind of a target they've set ash, and I don't really know anything more on that front than you do, but it does kind of seem like a steep order to fill and I think the the thing to keep in mind here is when they say carbon neutral, I think really what they're going for is that whatever they're outputting somebody else is offsetting that and, and helping to target that so it might be a little bit of a marketing ploy or a little, little bit of um not the best way to explain it when they say carbon neutral, they're not going to stop output of that. They're just trying to find other ways to kind of offset that, at least to my understanding.
2: Yeah. And, you know, you, it, it is such a trend right now. And I think that some companies might be doing it kind of as a marketing scheme, kind of going along the same line there, Delaney. But either way, it's still, I guess, is a, a good way to try and battle climate change.
0: It certainly is appearing that way, at least at this point in time. Ash and I've got some news here coming out from Stats Canada about grain and oilseed production. Deep cuts were forecasted in their August report, and they once again cut production for canola and spring wheat here on this September report. They um, appear to be continuing to cut those two crops. Canola production is about 34% lower than last year. And Canada may lose about another 7 million metric tons of canola, which represents about 65% of their exports. Their spring wheat production is down about 41% year over year, barley down 34% and oats down 44%. So it does appear that that could be bullish news for the US markets because Canada may have to import some of those feed needs from the United States and other countries. So all in all, not doing so well down there or up there in Canada.
2: Well, Delaney, I just have one other story to kind of round us out here, unless, of course, you have something else for us before we get into the markets. But this piece of news is coming from the U.S. dairy industry, as some of those producers had a resounding call for Congress to update the milk pricing system during a Senate Ag Committee subcommittee hearing earlier today. Christina Zudervan, an Iowa dairy farmer with Family Dairy Ties in Michigan, Indiana, and South Dakota, testified on how the federal milk marketing order was meant to pay for milk fairly and equitably, but is failing. She and others are calling for a long-term solution to fix the milk pricing system. In fact, Mississippi dairy farmer Mike Ferguson says a change is urgently needed before the next farm bill, and we've already been talking about the farm bill, Delaney, and that's approaching. Oh, I can't remember now. I think is it twenty twenty three? I I can't remember. Um, I think twenty twenty
0: two. I think it's every four years.
2: Okay, I couldn't I couldn't quite remember there. It, in the same ballpark still. So, if they're wanting this to be fixed, it looks like it's going to have to be some quick and fast action here and i don't really know if that is in the future
0: that's a good question ashton i don't have an answer for that one right now either but i do have just two other quick pieces of news here as we are heading into harvest new crop corn and soybean futures of Appeared to pick up some ground as of this morning. Gulf Coast shipping facilities are continuing to reopen, which has added a little bit of strength here to the markets. And the other thing that's added some strength here is some early rumblings about Midwest yields that we're starting to see come out of cornfields. Early on again, but are starting to hear some rumblings that corn yields in the state of Illinois is down by about 5 to 10% over what USDA has been anticipating. Cobble fields are coming in closer to the 240 to 250 bushels per acre, as opposed to the 270 bushels per acre that has been put out earlier. And so starting to hear some of that, I've also been hearing about lower than expected moisture levels in some areas, weak stocks in others. So this this, uh, market is definitely still upon us here as we head into planting season. There's still some things that could line up to see some bullishness in these markets, Ashton.
2: Well, Delaney, I am all out of news for the day. Why don't we see where markets ended?
0: Fantastic, Ashton. Let's do that because we did see, like I mentioned, we saw some strength today in... The grain markets, December corn closed up 13 and a quarter cent to close at 5.33 and a half. March corn up 12 and a half cents to close at 5.40 and three quarters. Hopping over to look at the soybean pits today, November new crop soybeans up 12 cents on the day to close at 12.94 and a half. January up 11 and three quarter cents to close at 13.03 and a half. Chicago wheat higher today as well, with the December contract adding 11.5 cents to close at 7.12 and a quarter. The March up 12.5 cents to close at 7.23 and three quarters. Now, hopping over to take a look at the livestock pits today, we saw some mixed trade today across the protein markets. October, live cattle up. Five cents today to close at one twenty four seventeen and a half. The beast down twenty cents to close at one twenty nine forty five. Pretty much weakness throughout the feeder cattle complex today, however, as the October contract shed a dollar sixty five to close at one fifty six fifty the November cutting two dollars fifteen cents to end the day out at one fifty seven fifty seven and a half hopping over to look at lean hogs for today the october contract up a dollar 90 to close at 82 and a half the december up seven and a half cents to close at 72 and a half and lastly wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures october shedding two pennies today to close at 17 25 november down four cents to close at 1707 ashton as we teased earlier we are chatting today with tanner winterhoff podcast host of the farm for profit podcast Well, folks, we are joined today by a fellow podcaster and also an ag lender here in Central Iowa, Tanner Winterhoff. Tanner, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: You bet, my pleasure. Thank you for the invite.
0: So, Tanner, let's start with a little bit about your background uh, because you do a couple of different things, and you grew up in agriculture. So, just give us your give us your story here.
1: You bet. I did. I grew up on a fair to finish row crop farm in northwest Iowa, uh, up around a small town called Aurelia. Did that for a long time with my parents, Uh, continued to have that farm active, went to college in Des Moines to get my business and finance degree because I had a passion for basically all things banking. So that's led me now into, oh, just about a 15-year banking career, now in a role as an ag lender and commercial lender, focusing mainly on the farm lending side of things for Vision Bank in Central Iowa. Met my lovely bride at college. Her family is a fat cattle feedlot and row crop operation right here in Central Iowa. So so stay pretty tied to the agriculture side while doing my day job of being a banker. But for fun, started the Farm for Profit podcast. That's farm the number four profit all smushed together. Uh, Let's see, that was about two years ago in July. So almost two and a half years ago, trying to help farmers, clients, prospects, everybody that wants to listen help them achieve higher levels of profitability. So a banker that plays on the farm that also sits behind a mic. So a little bit of a unique combination.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Tanner, before we get into talking about your Farm for Profit podcast, I wanted to ask a little bit more about uh, the banking scene right now, because we talk a lot about interest rates. We talk about inflation. We talk about farmland prices. What are you seeing from a lending perspective right now going on in agriculture?
1: Yeah, it's a very unique time. And I know growers will say the same thing, that there's no two growing seasons the same. Uh, I would say the same for the banking process. Never before have we seen the amount of deposits on our books that we're seeing currently. So we have the highest level of deposits our bank has ever had and relatively lower loan demand. So for clients, whether it's businesses, homeowners, or farmers, um, interest rates are remaining extremely competitive. And that's the reason is we we as banks and financing institutions, whether it's the farm credits, the credit unions or, or private financers have a lot of capital that needs to be put to work. And uh, that's kind of what's helping drive and hold these interest rates steady on the low side. So if a person hasn't thought about refinancing or maybe they're hesitating on a purchase, there really hasn't been a better time right now on the financing cost side to purchase. Now we can talk about inflation all you want, but sticking on the loan side, it's still extremely competitive on our business front. There's aggressive market share battles going on. um, And ultimately, a lot of the customers are looking solid financially. So that's just another factor to keep rates low.
2: So Tanner, you guys call the Farm for Profit podcast, the mullet of agriculture (laughs) podcast. What does that mean? Are you guys business and party? Is that kind of what we're getting at here?
1: That's exactly uh, the way it was referred to us by our listener base. Uh, so it all kind of started doing our weekly shows that come out every Monday and and purely based on enjoyment as a host. Uh, every other week, we really dive into something that helps a farmer potentially come up with a tip, a tr- trick or a tool that's going to help their farm make more money. Uh, so for example, the first Monday of the month, we will talk to you about Uh, tire technology that, you know, may reduce compaction or extend the life of the tires that you currently have. And that little tidbit might help your farm, you know, save some money or make a decision. The following week or the second week of the month, we then kick back, usually open an alcoholic beverage and talk to somebody in agriculture. For example, Delaney was just on our episode that came out on Monday to where we got to hear her story, got to talk about her role in agriculture. You know, talk a little bit about where things are going and what we're hearing in the marketplace. Then we followed up the following week with another profit show. That's where you get the business in the front, the party in the back. It keeps it interesting for us. That had, kind of keeps our listeners on their toes. And yes, our listeners do affectionately. That's the terminology I'm going to use. Refer to <laughs> us as the mullet of agriculture podcast.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that uh, you guys use that as kind of your slogan. It's a its a funny one. But um, tell us a little bit more about... The hosts, because it's you plus two other gentlemen that you get a host with.
1: Yeah, we we not only are unique in our style, but with our backgrounds. So I, like I described, an agricultural lender uh, tied to the farming side through both families, then have two co-hosts. Dave Whitaker is uh, the owner of Whitaker Marketing Group. He is an auctioneer and realtor. That also has a tie to the cattle side so he brings a lot of real estate and equipment background uh, obviously is entertaining to listen to because of his auction cadence when so he spits that in there every once in a while and then Corey Hillabo, who is a part of hillibow family farms and big creek seed uh, is our third co-host and uh, his family farms in polk county uh, polk and boone county here in central iowa uh, but then also as a seed salesman, and they have a hog operation. So kind of fun to attack these topics like, uh, let's see, what was the one that we just had? Such as leasing tractors versus buying a tractor versus hiring it custom done. And you get three unique perspectives, plus the expert guests that we bring onto the show.
2: You know, I really like the idea of cracking an alcoholic beverage, Delaney. I don't know about you, but I think that maybe we need to incorporate that on our Friday episode. (laughs) That's a good idea. (laughs) I mean, I record from home. You record from basically your office at work. So I don't know, maybe I'll do it and you can just kind of tag along there. But uh, Tanner, when we're talking about helping the farmer and, you know, um, your, your audience, have you also kind of learned a little bit as you've gone on? I mean, you've had your life in ag but are there things that you've also learned on this journey?
1: Oh, it is a hundred percent started off on the selfish side. Uh, I, I do. I learned so much right along the listener when I'm talking to the guests and even from both Corey and Dave, it, it's really fun. You know, for example, right now, a lot of my farm clients and friends are dealing with, you know, cash rents going up 11%, you know, the cost of seed and fertilizer going up, you know, 20 to 35% you know, all these costs are going to be inflated for next year's growing season. And we've talked to a negotiation expert on the podcast. So now I can reflect on an interview that I've done in the past to help our customers, friends, you know, those prospects that work alongside me that um, maybe give them a little bit of advice for a conversation with their landlords or how you can achieve a, a mutually beneficial deal. So that's just one example of of us learning almost on a weekly basis. I mean, we had Delaney on and I didn't have a clue how good pumpkin spiced flavored things could be, but uh, I'm going to give it a shot now.
0: You better. It's pumpkin spice season, Tanner. But before we (laughs) let you go, I certainly appreciate you hopping on with us today. Folks, you definitely need to check out this podcast. It's a great one. I'm not just saying that because they had me on as a guest. Uh, Tanner, for those folks that do want to follow along with you guys on social media or check out your podcast, tell them where they can find all that.
1: You bet. The, we are the only silly ones to throw a number in the middle of our title. So it is Farm the Number 4 Profit Podcast. So F-A-R-M, the Number 4 Profit. You can find that podcast anywhere you want to download it or visit our website, farmforprofit.com. Uh, the co-hosts themselves, if you visit the website, you'll find all of our handles. I am known as the Iowa Bankerman. If you want to find me, TikTok, Facebook, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can look us up. But yeah, farm the number four profit. And you can find us about everywhere.
0: Fantastic. Well, Tanner, certainly a pleasure talking to you today. We'll hopefully have you on again real soon.
1: Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. It was great to talk with you Delaney and Ashton.
2: Thanks again there to Tanner for coming on the podcast and thanks for giving my co-host and you know also my boss the idea that we can uh, crack a cold of <laughs> <when it> work
0: <laughs> well you work from home so I would really have no way of knowing Ashton
2: Well, that definitely gives me some ideas there, Delaney, but hopefully our audience also has some ideas of things that they want to hear on the Ag News Daily podcast. And if they do, they can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Ag News Daily to hand over some of those ideas to us. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.